Welcome to One Symphony, a podcast that explores classical music's relevance in our modern lives. I'm conductor Devin Patrick Hughes, and I'm here to share with you stories and conversations with musicians, composers, and artistic entrepreneurs that aim to unite us into one symphonic world. Excited to host rapper Light Skin Legend on One Symphony today. Change is a mission statement for the charismatic 21-year-old Light Skin Legend, whose high aspirations to change the genre of hip-hop and create social movement around the world drive his creative inspiration. A graduate of Rhodes College and master's student at the University of San Diego, but originally from Colorado, Grayson Walker is the grandson of Pulitzer Prize winning composer George Walker and son of renowned concert violinist and composer Gregory T.S. Walker, who is also joining us today. Light Skin Legend has become a cult favorite with hits like My Shot, Pretty Faces, and Main Thang, and continues to expand in popularity as his unique lyricism and signature sound makes its way around the world. My Shot reached the top 25 in the UK iTunes hip-hop charts, and his latest album, Commitment Issues, seeks to build off that success. Light Skin Legend recently made his symphonic debut on his father Gregory T.S. Walker's Dream in the Hood, and I'm excited to bridge the symphonic and R&B worlds together with him. I would also like to add that there is a parental advisory warning on some of the music that I'll play today, so if you have kids in the room, please make appropriate adjustments. I hope you enjoy the episode. So Gregory and I are lucky to be joined by Gregory's son, continuing the musical dynasty from George Walker to Gregory T.S. Walker, and now the light skin legend. We talked a lot about the, the history of symphonic music um, that, that you guys have created over the generations. For Light Skin Legend, can I just ask you, how did you get into music when you were young, and, and how did that get you to where you are today? I'm not sure, you know, the, the term that I would use was get into music, because really, you know, there, there was no point in my life when I wasn't around music, when I wasn't part of my life. Obviously, from birth, you know, there was always music in the household. There was always practice going on between, you know, my dad and my mom, uh, getting ready for concerts, practicing different instruments and stuff, playing music on the stereo. Um, so it was just always, you know, always an element. It's always something that I've, you know, that's just been part of my life. As far as my music goes, I started playing violin when I was four. The story goes that I that I had some sort of choice in the matter, but I think <laughs> that I was definitely uh, roped into it in there's, some in some respect. They're so gullible at that age, by the way. <laughs> so that you know that ended up being my instrument of choice. You know, of course, not completely independently of the fact that both my dad and mom play violin. And so that's that's kind of where it all started. I would eventually start taking lessons with a teacher, um, but 
you know, really looking back on it, pretty much, you know, every practice ended up being like a lesson with, you know, my dad, whereas once a week or once every two weeks, I would have an additional lesson with the teacher. So it wasn't always the uh, the greatest of times when, you know, <laughs> when I wasn't enjoying it, but uh, it was just part of, it was just what it was. It was just part of my life. And um, going forward, that's, you know, that lasted for 10 years. Did your dad ever ask you to do different things from what your teachers were telling you to do in the, for the violin? Um, that's a, that's a good question. I, I think that a lot of times, obviously my dad is good friends with my teacher. So, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of disparity between the instruction I was receiving, but, um, I think in general, it was just very technical stuff, you know, more, focused on details of playing when I was practicing and stuff. Whereas when I was in the lesson, you know, the teacher would be, you know, just monitoring the details. Whereas in practice, you know, I was kind of on my own or so I thought. So when things started slipping, you know, there was definitely the, uh, you know, the stern mm-hmm. hand there to make sure things didn't slip too far in practice. <laughs> it's, it's also true that if one digs deep enough on YouTube, there is some incriminating footage because with the various types of music I was composing, at one point, I arrived at this collection of duets, pop, rock, and hip-hop fantasies for two violins. And I believe there's some footage of Grayson playing an electric violin, me playing my acoustic, going through one of the pieces from that collection. That's amazing. And so, and so was it a violin duel? Yes, I think both of us were probably wounded to a certain extent. <laughs> Gregory, did you raise the light skin legend kind of musically the way that your dad raised you? Was, was there any lessons learned there or similarities or disparities? I don't think light skin legend's mother would have let me raise him <laughs> the way my father <laughs> raised me. <laughs> so in that sense, as bad as it was for Light Skin Legend, it could have been could have been a little <laughs> bit more severe, I believe. But that's what all the generations say. I'm sure when Light Skin Legend looks down at the little light skins, he's going to talk about in my day, we had to walk through snow. It was this deep. Was there any kind of pressure to carry the torch for either of you? Yeah, I really didn't feel as if there was any choice but to continue in the musical field. Like Light Skin Legend, if you have a family that is completely comprised of musicians, how is one even going to visualize anything different? And I think even for my son, it's a lot of imagination to choose other avenues because you're literally being programmed as a small child to go in a certain direction. And I just took the bait, hook, line, and sinker. And I admire Grayson for not doing that. Not only not doing that with his overall career range of different interests, and possibilities he's pursuing right now, but of course, with doing something that his grandfather could have never envisioned with the hip hop. Um, I was just going to say that I think that, you know, in, in my case at least, and, you know, this is credit to my upbringing, that, you know, I, I really wasn't 
pushed to do music, even though, you know, like my dad said, it's definitely, that's the reality that you live in. And it's, it's hard to imagine different avenues to break off from that. Just like it's impossible really to live your life without any type of musical influence. But, you know, I, I think my parents did a very intentional job of not forcing me into that and giving me choice and supporting me in pursuing things that were different. And so I think that uh, part of the reason that, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing now is because I know that I've always had that choice and I, I don't necessarily feel pressure to carry the torch more as because of the situation that I was put in and the way that I was brought up. Now I see, you know, I see it as a gift rather than a burden. And I see it as something that, you know, I think is the right thing to do to carry the family legacy on rather as something that was just expected of me since birth. Your grandfather and Gregory, your father, George Walker, there's, there's, there's a lot of great interviews of him. And um, in one of the interview, I think he talks about as I think many black composers, you know, in the thirties and the forties were sort of pressured or encouraged to stay with popular music or uh, the blues or spirituals. George Walker was somebody who really gravitated toward the, the classical, you know, the, the canon, the idiom, uh, you know, from Stravinsky as Samuel Barber didn't want to be pigeonholed into any one category. Gregory, you're, you're an incredibly versatile artist. You know, we've done everything from Mozart to Brahms and, you know, you've done the Vivaldi Four Seasons, obviously recomposed and reimagined to like Glitch for Cyber Guitar or the Kawanakajima, you know, where you're essentially as an opera where you're dismantling the orchestra in a way and the audience is part of the performance. For the Light Skin Legend, did that, did that influence your path, like sort of Gregory's uh, ability to explode the orchestral cube? Yeah, I mean, subconsciously, I'm sure it did. And I think that, you know, growing up in a household where there's so much different music, you know, going on. And even as a kid, you know, I remember, you know, I hear my dad practicing classical music and my mom for their concerts. But then, you know, they're playing. I remember listening to blues and jazz and stuff growing up, uh, rock, really a lot of different genres that I was exposed to early on and just a lot of different influences from different musical directions. And so I think that, you know, it, it definitely influenced me to see the wide variety of things that he was doing. Um, and it influenced me at the same time to see, you know, the very, uh, finite, uh, consistent trajectory of like my granddad's music and how, you know, it, it's still defined within classical music, but there's so much, so much of a unique element that I think defines his music. And, you know, I don't think you could even say it defines my dad's music because there's so much of a variety, so much of a range of it. And I think that as much as influencing me towards a certain path, uh, I really think it just opened my mind. And, you know, I always had the knowledge and the realization that there were so many different paths that I could follow and so many different avenues that even one composer or one artist could pursue pretty much simultaneously within their career. It's legendary. I've been on my shit for a minute. Yeah, I've been all around the globe. Seen a lot of pretty face. Met a lot of pretty hoes. 
Nigga got it from the base, got it straight from the mud. No kisses, no hugs. In the hood, no love. Bunch of guns, bunch of drugs. She get real with the street life. Niggas deal on like the 90s. Still posted on the street life. Not everyone made for the pressure. Most of them come on shadows. Life's a motherfucking game. Come with the levels and ladders. No need to waste time. Pistol sitting on the waistline. No practice like AI. Bullet shooting in straight fire. Yeah, yeah. No practice like AI. No need to waste They call me the legend, I came with the name One of a kind of prepared for the fame The ice on my chain, match the ice in my veins You looking like Lois, so stay in your lane I was born in 60, got the gift from my dad Incessantly before me, created this pack Got talent, so talent, so nothing I lack The work couple ways I remember the past I'm walking the trail of a hundred before me Still fit a beat of the African soul in me Gifted like Jodeci, music is molding me Fully controlling me, police patrolling me Shooted like Kobe, but not in the good way Dead in the sun race, mama can't look away Killing the innocent kids in the hood way Never forgetting the face that they took away I've been on my shit for you know, with the various things I was involved with, it was kind of like as a musical tourist. I wasn't really, I think, convincing anybody I was an expert in any of these, but there was a certain range to be sure at a certain time and then to a certain extent until the present had been this interest, this curiosity I'd had when it came to hip hop music. But when it came to my own performances, I don't think anybody could have ever mistaken me for a rapper. And I don't think it's a coincidence that of all the different things I attempted and just glimpsed that light skin legend would have gravitated towards the void for me, <laughs> the, the area I missed. Yeah. I, I was going to ask you when, when, when you had premiered dream in the hood with the Loveland Colorado Symphony years ago. It's my understanding that it, it fueled paranoia when a violist deciphered its hidden meaning. I think the violists don't have enough notes. They have too much time on their hands, so they, they can't figure <laughs> these things out. With, with Loveland, though, that was actually a different piece of music, a piece of music that was not Dream in the Hood, and it had its own controversial aspect and kind of ended badly for me, as I recall. <laughs> but to the extent that they didn't end up premiering even this piece, it was actually jettisoned once they realized what was going on. It was premiered by an orchestra in Poland. The Colorado Symphony was the one that premiered yeah. Demon in the Hood. In the Colorado Symphony, it's my understanding that you know the things that some of the instrumentalists had to had to play, some of the effects, and also they had to yell, "Whose dream is it?" And that caused a lot of some consternation. Can you kind of talk about barriers in general that you can get to with orchestras? Because, you know, just having all the projects that we've done together and maybe the orchestras that I've been with or that we've been with have been primed or something. But can you talk about like the orchestra world? And, and it seems like since we started doing a lot of these projects, orchestras have have most orchestras have gotten a lot more open-minded about things, but um, can you kind of talk about that resistance in some ways that you've overcome that? Well, you're right that it's something that I think orchestral musicians, possibly as we get more and more younger generations of these players, are becoming accustomed to. I think that also with the collaborations you and I have had, I've benefited from the fact that you've been able to soften up your orchestras by means of exposing them to various adventuresome repertoire and unusual 
approaches and interdisciplinary aspects and all that. So that's through pizza yeah, and beer, by the way. That's, that's right. If they're inebriated, it always helps. Although even you and I, I think have seen a threshold of pain. Seems to me that with the one composition glitch for cyber guitar and orchestra, that there was some aspects that were a little worrisome for that particular piece. There was a lot of movements involved for the orchestra. Obviously, you're not used to that, and there's always going to be a worry about the safety of their valuable instruments. And that same kind of thing was playing out decades before with the premiere of Boom in the Hood in 93, because it's, it's not just, it's not that hip hop is going to ruin your instruments. It's that the way that I wanted to get at some of the synthetic hip hop producer sounds with what they call extended techniques for the instruments, prepared instruments where you'd be sticking objects in between the strings that could conceivably rattle off and you know, harm the body of a old Italian stringed instrument and placement of microphones and things. It was something that particularly at that time was just the final straw and the music itself having a, for the first soloist, a soloist with a ring in his nose, that was going to be disconcerting enough. But after a while, you know, I think an orchestral musician, particularly one of a certain age, starts to feel like one of those lab rats for whom the electricity has been applied just a few too many times, just cumulative. And oh, everybody involved wants success. I certainly do. The conductors I work with are committed to it, but we just think, okay, you know, how can we couch things in a way that's not threatening? How can we guide some of the more worried players through what's going to be clearly a traumatic memory for them. And you'd maybe talk about, and, and, and the light skin legend, I think, could, could chime in in terms of hip hop, the role of orchestras, the role of presenting works of art or poetry. Um, because I, I kind of think of it from a programming standpoint of, okay, we need a, we need a showstopper. We need a masterwork, something that's going to bring in the, you know, the, the, the people who love great old symphonic music. And then while they're there, we want to blow their mind a little bit. We want to do something that they did not expect that some of them may not understand or like, can you guys talk about like, where, where is the, where is the fence there? And, and wh where is the happy medium or is there a happy medium? <laughs> well, in, in that sense, Basically, Maestro, you're asking me to do your job for you because uh, I'm kind of a role player on the team in a sense that as a living composer, I'm bringing in things that are going to be less traditional, a little more unfamiliar for the audience, and they have a role to play in a healthy program, in a viable program. and. Uh, you would be aware, as would many top conductors, that this involves a balance between pieces that are going to first draw the audience and so they even show up, maybe create a certain comfort level. And then uh, within the same program, you want something that's going to stretch people. Within a given piece that I might compose, I'm thinking in the same way. I'm thinking 
with that microcosm of we're creating a sense of comfort, we're going to push here, then we're going to create a resolution, allow people to recover, then maybe we'll push a little farther. Because both comfort food and the really spicy stuff, they've, they've all got important functions in our lives. You have too much of one or too much of the other. Uh, you can't grow as an individual, you become complacent, or uh, you cannot use music as an escape. It doesn't work in that way either. So you want to combine as many of those possible benefits as you can. For the Light Skin Legend, you've got some really awesome albums, LL7, Process Seasons, Joker. You're relatively new, being a, a fairly young person in the professional world of, of hip-hop. Obviously, you know, young composers in the classical world, a lot of times they start out imitating in some ways, borrowing from those who have come before. Can you talk about where you are in, in terms of your development in the world of hip-hop? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, one, you know, for those who know anything about hip hop, you know, one very common theme that uh, rappers especially just love to harp on is how, you know, they're different. They're making their own brand of music. What they're doing is something that's never done before. You know, they're not being influenced by anybody. It's their work alone. And I think that that's such a, you know, a disingenuous kind of model to base your your image off of because you know just like you said everybody you know even at more advanced stages of your development and your career you know everybody is being constantly influenced by all the music they see the artists they meet the people they talk to the things that they hear on every different medium you know there's just a constant barrage of influences especially in hip-hop and so i think that for me personally um you know, I, I've always tried to acknowledge those influences and be very uh, conscious of them uh, because I think that it's important to be able to bring in and synthesize different material that you like, that you're drawn to, and create something new out of it. Because that's exactly what music is. There's no new music. You know, it's all mm -hmm. some type of synthesis. And so for me personally, I look at you know, a lot of the modern artists that I like, I, um, you know, I look at um, older rappers, you know, Tupac is one of my favorite rappers of all time, but I listen to, you know, almost every, you know, big name artist there, there is now. I listen to R&B, I listen to female rappers, different kinds of genres blending together. I listen to a little bit of blues, a little bit of jazz. I listen to classic rock, a lot of different genres coming in. And obviously the classical music and stuff that I've been exposed to through my family. Um, inevitably, I think it all has an influence on my music. And it's something that I try to acknowledge and draw different elements um, from as I, as I grow and develop. And for me, one of the most satisfying elements of that development is just really being able to you know, create, obviously, I, I make a lot of my beats myself. I write all my music myself. Even I do a lot of stuff with the production of my music. And just being able to listen to the finished product or even just read the lyrics that I've written down recently, you know, I can just get a good sense of my own growth, even in the last few months, just from, you know, point A to point B. It's so clear how my own taste, my style is kind of developing 
as its own unique product. Um, and I think that that's something that I'm excited to continue going forward with. I said I got some things to teach ya. But where's my, but where's my manners? Nice to meet you. I'm not like these other people. And it seems to me that you might not really be like the me. Hold on. Take a minute to look around between the ways in your voice. I can't tell what's the better sign. I said before that you could call me later. Let's make it now. I got a few days for you to show me the town. I got a couple questions you could answer. Open spaces in my planner. Promise I'll be on my manners. Cause you're harder than Saturn. I'll show you up like a banner. Treat you right like a man would. You like calling me handsome. Only I'm a fan of you. Your dark skin, maple brown eyes. You're the truth. Like Paul Pierce, Celtic green. Like I'ma shoot my shot at you. Shot at you in the past. Ain't not as fine as you. Mind you, I find someone like you a time or two minus two It ain't gon' happen, it never did before Might not make a happy home, but we can take a tour With you on my roster, no one else will see the floor What's it gon' take for you to be me? I'm shorty Costa Rica She got flowers on sneakers I want her so I don't usually do no features But I'll do anything to meet her She told me, she told me that she was a teacher in your process are you are you a lyrics guy do you start with the the text or, or are you more starting with the beats or the underlying kind of harmony for me, I always start with the music. Um, I think that if I'm going to create my own beat, um, that's that's the first thing I'll do. You know, I'll start with some type of melody. I'll add in drums usually second before I add kind of harmonies, different like bass lines, sometimes some orchestral elements. Or, you know, I'll just be listening to other people's beats, which I honestly enjoy just as much as making my own because as much as I love that creative influence over the actual sound of the music, um, it's just as enlightening, I think, to hear other people's ideas and be able to synthesize that with lyrical ideas that I have. But I always start with the music because I feel like um, every song should be, especially in hip hop, when it's so uh, heavy on the words and the words are so much of the overall message. Um, I think it's essential to start with the music because that's where the theme comes from. You know, I always, especially when I'm using other beats, other music that people have made. Um, I always listen to the music a few times before I even think of writing anything down. You know, whatever theme comes to mind, the first few, you know, lines that come to mind. And then I just write the lyrics from there. I'm curious, did your grandfather, was he, did you perform for him? There was, there was some element of timing with that, that, you know, really I'm just kind of coming up, you know, into my own in the short time since he passed. But at the same time, there definitely was a conscious effort not to perform anything <laughs> for him, um, you know, when I first started doing it. A, because, you know, it wasn't, you know, a full-fledged career professional type of venture. And B, just because, you know, he did not like that type of music. And that's, you know, that's no secret. You wouldn't hide it from anybody. You know, he definitely had his tastes and he definitely had his dislikes. You know, I think that in the end, the message that I create and, you know, if I achieve the goals that I want to achieve with music, that's absolutely going to be something that he would be proud of. But right now, the music itself, you know, it's, it's not his cup of tea and that's okay. So you both rebelled in your own ways. In, in our own ways, yeah. I think that the rebellion <laughs> continues from generation to generation. It gets a little bit deeper. 
Well, thank you, Gregory T.S. Walker and Light Skin Legend. It was an honor to host you and speak with you. Yes, likewise, Maestro. It's, uh, you know, I think the things we've done through the years, the things we look forward to now are just testaments to your own commitment to new ideas and what it takes to be an ambassador for them with your own community. And no matter how hard we adventuresome musicians try, uh, we're just grateful to have a collaborator like yourself. So uh, good questions. And um, as much as we tried to answer them now, I think ultimately whoever listens to us kind of comes up with their own answers. I was just going to say that, you know, I appreciate your time. And definitely just as, you know, you, you look at it, I look at myself as a young artist who's, um, you know, almost exclusively unproven, hasn't broken into the music industry yet, but obviously with a lot of different aspects of potential. Um, I think that, you know, it, it definitely means a lot to have a classical composer in this field um, and this industry that I've been, you know, just observing and you know, going to concerts for as long as I've been alive that, you know, really takes an interest and wants to have these conversations. And I think that that really speaks volumes about, um, you know, the growth of music as a whole and, you know, yourself and the different avenues that, you know, music can be synthesized be between genres going forward, which I think is really, you know, the music of the future. So it's, it's definitely encouraging to see and be here. Well, thank you, guys. I'm honored to be a part of the dynasty, a small part of the dynasty. And I look forward to the day that the Light Skin Legend returns with, with your music to the orchestra. Thank you for joining us on One Symphony. And thanks to Light Skin Legend for sharing his amazing gifts and insights. And to his father, Gregory T.S. Walker, for joining in on the conversation. Musical selections were performed and produced by Lightskin Legend and included Pretty Faces and Costa Rica. Lightskin Legend was also joined by Ponce de Leon on Pretty Faces. You can experience Lightskin Legend's music on all platforms. You can always find more info at onesymphony.org, including a virtual tip jar if you'd like to support the show. Please feel free to rate, review, or share the show. Until next time, thank you for being a part of the music. <laughs>